Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Boy Joy Podcast. As usual, we're joined by me here in Newcastle, Kieran, and me, Ainsley. Um, me here in Streatham, London, Ainsley. In your new flat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen the background actually. It was like the background's changed. What's going on? How is yeah. it? It's a nice. It's nice. It's um, we're like settling in slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. When you move somewhere new, it's kind of like starting again, basically. So the place mm-hmm. is furnished. So we did have like we had beds, we had wardrobes and stuff. We had like um a sofa, but like everything else that we didn't have we still are missing some like basic items we don't own a washing machine no so we've got a washing machine we don't own a dishwasher not, what i'm trying to say we don't own um a vacuum cleaner that's it right okay yeah yeah only one of those like a, like a mop bucket and um mm. and like you know a broom and just yeah, right. basic basic things like that we're missing a quick trip to Wilco's, and it? it's gonna have to be. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's a nice place. It's big. It's kind of in the same area that I live in now. So, um, I lived in Streatham before, and I'm Streatham Hill now. So mm-hmm. it's it's about a twenty minute walk, maybe about fifteen if you walk fast from where I was. So yep. it's in the same area, closer to Brixton, which is nice. Mm. Yeah, and um. How was he moved? Stress-free? Pretty fast? How much shit did you um, It wasn't that bad, actually. So, um, my I live with my cousin now, the one that frequently gets mentioned on this podcast. And mm-hmm. um, his mom came down from Birmingham with a car to help us, to help us move. And one of my uncles came as well. So, mm-hmm. that was a big help. When we first got there, I came in an Uber XL and packed that Uber XL like as yeah. much as possible with stuff. He, the driver, was not happy at all. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what can it, what can it, what were you taking long though? Were you doing like multiple trips up and down the stairs or what? Or? I done so we didn't do like multiple trips, but I had like quite a bit of stuff, and um, so they had like, like it's a seven seater, so all the seats were down on every seat apart from one of them that I could go in. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was filled, it was full. You know, you can feel like a car being weighed down by items and yeah. you're driving. It was like that. Well, did you but tip the driver? I did tip him, yeah. I gave I him say, yeah that's, that's the main thing. Matters. How much did you tip? Like, I gave a five pound tip. That's, yeah, no, it can't moan. Then you should have been happy at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that was fine. And then, so we did one in the Airbnb. Sorry, one in the, oh my God, why can't I speak today? One in the Uber. One and then two trips in my aunt's car, and they got everything moved then, thankfully. And it took about a week to like de box, get everything unboxed, unpacked, find the mm. whole everything. I've got yeah. a bit less space in my bedroom than I did in the last place. So mm. I had to get rid of a few stuff, get rid of like boxes worth of clothes and shit. But... Oh, wow. The most stressful yeah. part of the move was finding the place to live. Because um, like we found it at the eleventh hour, basically, mm-hmm. we had like a week until um, until my cousin's contract was supposed to end on his flat, and we'd have anywhere to we have anywhere to go. So mm-hmm. the worst part was finding somewhere. 
Which doesn't sound like it was fun. Yeah, because I remember, I think I asked you a few times, like, oh, how you, how's your hunt going? You're like, well, we had two places rejected today. So not great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So I, I went to a festival on Monday. That would have been yesterday, no, the day before yesterday, um, to All Points East. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was at... It was, oh, it was okay. I'm, I'm, not I'm, good, I'm, I'm happy that I got to that I got to go to a festival and like experience that for the experience that for the first time in what since 2019 for me. But like mm. I bought the tickets because I wanted to see Boshi Murphy again, who um who was booked to book to play that festival. And of course she pulled out. Uh. so I didn't get to see her. And instead there were like acts that I just don't really listen to, like um a Bombay Bicycle Club and um, Falls with like two indie bands and I just don't I just, I just don't listen to that I don't know any of these names but as you know I'm not the authority on their current music acts like that's not common they're not common they were famous when we were when we were at university so like 2009 2010 <laughs> which is a long time in the music industry isn't it to be fair yeah um, but like, <laughs> you don't look impressed at all I was not impressed to be honest with you um <laughs> We saw, so I saw all our parks there, and she was all right, but the type of music she does is just not conducive to a festival environment. Like, you want to see her like indoors, like more intimate setting where you can yeah. really hear the lyrics. Like, all her music is just really about the lyrics. And I saw Leanna Havas, who I've is... seen like three times before. Yeah. So. It was a hers is, is similar with her as well. It's more of a, it's she's is more intimate music as well, to be fair. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's great live. I think I've seen her just for once. I was with you, wasn't it? It's was Glastonbury 2017. That's the only time yeah. I've seen her live. Um, but you've met her though, haven't you? I've met her a few times, actually. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the first time I met her was in a pub, in the railway pub that's like, Tulse Hill, so it's like one of the next like next uh, neighborhoods along. Yeah. And me and that same cousin were just like passing through a pub, just like on our way home from like just uh, spending the day out in um in London. Mm-hmm. And she just happened to be there. And right. she was we thought she was like with some guy. And like she was actually really nice. We chatted for a bit. I tried not to be one of those people because like I did tell her that like I was such a huge fan of her first album. Uh-huh. And which song I liked in particular. So I was being like one of those annoying fanboys in that perspective. And we've got a photo together, but I didn't want to be one of those people who was like trying to like just always stay in a celebrity's orbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I think like, you, yeah. Go on, sorry. I'll say, I think you would have come across as genuine. I think artists like when people talk about their work as well. And if you, if you said specifically what song you liked as well, then she then she know you into her music rather than just be like oh my god I met a celebrity so I think yeah like, yeah yeah no yeah like when well when I did meet her like I I was starstruck but it was mm-hmm. because like I actually respect the music that she makes yeah I think it's you're not really expecting to bump into someone like that just in the pub are you just doesn't just yeah exactly I've seen them in Audi you know again okay now yeah, he's talking she's my like... neighbor yeah she's my neighbor I've seen them in Audi. She, uh-huh. uh, she'd partial to um, Lamb Mints. <laughs> that was in <laughs> Is this the, um, the Aldi by Streatham Station? That one? Yeah, that one. Oh, that's... <laughs> I think London's a small world, isn't it? Um, she lives in an area. She wants to live in an area. 
must do. I've seen her twice. I've seen her twice now. And I saw her once, like, not... Well, I saw her at Glastonbury, but then I saw her just, like, out and about in the crowd at Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. And that was, oh, same, yeah, yeah. that was the same time that I saw her, that I saw her, like, months before at, um, at the railway. So, she, 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 yes, to my neighbour, we're practically friends. Exactly. I forget that happens at Glastonbury, um, just random artists walking around, because obviously it's a big farm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um I think, was I with your cousin at the time, in 2017? I think he said he saw Corinne Bailey Ray just walking around. Um, I've seen bare famous people, you know. I've seen um, Daniel Kaluuya. I, I didn't see him. I think um, another mutual friend saw him. And yeah, saw him a few minutes, yeah I saw him as I was, well. I was pissed off because I was with this friend and we split up for a few minutes. And then when it came out, I just, oh, I just saw Daniel Kaluuya. I was like, fucking hell, I wouldn't have bumped into him. Like, yeah, he's someone yeah. I see. I think I want to be your friend. Like, is that kind of person? Like, <laughs> to be honest with you, he kind of seems like if he saw you, he would not want to talk to you. No, I think he. I think he'd be pleasant at the beginning. I think he would like. Um, I think you know he'd be civil. Like you know he'd like he'd, he'd do like he'd he'd give you like maybe a brief sixty seconds of like you know a pleasant chat and then be on his way. Which I'd be happy with. That'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> At a different festival, I saw Letitia Wright. I've seen Letitia Wright twice, actually. Uh-huh. Um, I saw her once. I was so pissed up, man. I saw her once when um, I think I was at Lovebox. Might have been 2019, but I was pissed. Or I was pissed up. Um, like, I went to see Solange. I saw Solange, Solange's um, When I Get Home show. Uh-huh. And I don't remember this. I don't remember the show. To be honest with you, because I was, I was that drunk. But I remember her being there, but like nobody could get to her because she was surrounded by like I'd say about four to six like real hench dudes. Those type of people who is like just don't chat to me. Yeah. Then, so yeah, it, type of people. When was when was this? Twenty seventeen. No, it was it was the one after that. It was um I think oh, it was twenty nineteen. I love box. Yeah. I the only person I've seen at, like, a festival, I mean, I, I kind of have tunnel vision when I walk, so I'm sure I've walked past lots of people who were there, like, to perform. But, um, you know, Lady Alicia. <laughs> yeah, is that even worth talking about, man? No, because, right, so, I was quite a big fan at the time. So I went, mm-hmm. to, go and, I went to go and see a set while you were off seeing various other people. I'm sure it was a Sunday night as well. This would have been 2019. 2019 it was, it wasn't 2017, 2019. Um, and the set was really, really good, blah, blah, blah. And then I met up with your cousin and another friend at the time, and we were and I was talking, oh, you know, I love her so much, blah, blah, blah. She's from Birmingham. I'd love to actually bump into her. I'd love to meet her, blah, blah, blah. And then fast forward 10 minutes, <laughs> we actually came across her. Now, I this was like a bit after sunset. I didn't even notice her because I was too busy talking to, to friends. But then the one friend who you know, who's very bubbly and very, like, talkative, like, hasn't, like, feels completely at ease around strangers. She's like, hey, Alicia, hello, hello, hi, it's my friend Kieran, you love to you, hi, say hello. Like, oh, <laughs> my like, God. And I was like, I was probably put on the spot because she was with two dudes who I've seen on the, like, social media before. I don't feel like friends slash bodyguards or they're just mates of hers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, she would have done a set, this was a couple of hours after. And I could tell she just didn't, she just wanted to be left alone. Um mm-hmm. Because I think it was after nightfall, she was kind of moving a bit discreetly as well. They were obviously going mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, you know, you want the grand swallow. I was like, hi. It was like an awkward, like, five-second chat, and I gave her a hug. But she, I can tell she just didn't want to be there. I was like, oh! <laughs> I, was like, mm-hmm. I think my friend was saying, well, like, ten minutes ago, you were saying that you wanted to meet her, and then now, look, I was like, I know. But, like, it's when it's thrust on you, you're not expecting it. <laughs> I'm quite a shy person anyway. Um, yeah. But it's cringe. But, you know, she it's nice enough to, like, end of the day, I understand if people don't want to be left alone. I completely understand that. 
Um, and like I said, it was at the end of the day, she would see Jordan done a set, probably tired or whatnot, and just mind the business. It's fine. I don't think she's rude or anything. It's probably just one of the ones that's like, oh, it's late in the day. Like, you know, I'm just chilling. So, yeah. I've been, um, you know, Sampha. Oh, you, oh, you lot's favorite, bloody hell, man. I love I've been, you know, um, one of them from One Direction. Which one? Um, is it Louis? Um, yes, I think yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Is he the one that I don't know how to describe him? Describe him like I don't know how to describe him like tactfully. He has dark hair, dark eyes, and he's not Harry Styles. He's not Harry Styles. He's definitely not Harry Styles. I yeah. And he's not Dane Manic because he's Asian. It's like yeah. quite thin. Like to me, he looks a bit like a greyhound. To be honest with you, like yes, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say he has a slim face. Um, yeah, like a, like a greyhound. As he goes. <laughs> Where did you see him? Just, just out, again, just out and about. Like, um, that's to be. I, I wasn't gonna go up to him. To be fair, because mm-hmm. I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I've, I'm sure I've seen other people. Um, do you remember the band The Black Party? I know the name. I don't, I don't know any of the music, but yeah. They I know have, the name. Well, the black guy, Kelly Okareki, he was in the mm-hmm. band and he, I saw him in a restaurant in um, Brixton. And he was another one. He was up with his daughter and his daughter was wearing rings around him. Rings, <laughs> rings. So it just wasn't appropriate for me to say anything to him for me to say like hello or whatever because like you're trying to like you're trying to get this girl under control i don't think you want to beat for my dickhead at like one o'clock in the afternoon yeah it's having a daddy moment in it so yeah responsibility is coming full force in one go yeah to be honest with you man like that girl needed a boss ass man she didn't beat him <laughs> <laughs> parenting and this new age stuff <laughs> actually no i wouldn't beat my child like, I, I say that like the, the, the girl need to beat it but if i had kids i wouldn't beat them yeah i, I think, think there's other be- ways to get a point across than um than like mm-hmm. physically harming your child i agree because i think once upon a time i think most of us from i don't know west indian households or from a west indian background we've probably experienced beating at some point mm-hmm. um and I remember when I used to mention it to like sort of white friends when I was like at music college and stuff, people look horrified. Yeah. And like, yeah. Well, <laughs> and one friend pointed out, so why do you call it beating? Like, you know, like your parents will punch you up. So I was like, I don't know, it's just this is the vocabulary that we use. Yeah. And I used to always think as well as like, you know, spare, spare the rug. Yeah. Um, I was a firm believer in that. And I, I guess there is still, still some kind of residual belief in that. Um, but it is a case of, you know, you can communicate, you don't have to. I'm saying this now to be all like you know respectable and stuff, but at the same time, I have seen some kids and like like you talk, like saying that you said that you saw that guy in the restaurant with his child. You see, you see some children thinking, well, you know, a, a quick slap around the face wouldn't you know wouldn't go amiss. But <laughs> anyway, I think we as a people we do have to get away from that kind of thinking. And I think our generation definitely is moving away, away from that. But it is hard to shake off these things when you know I was never abused, but it was like a spank here and there. Um, I think to be fair, my brother's got it worse than I did. I, I was I was fairly well behaved. I was wearing goody two shoes, so I didn't get it often. But I don't think it's a big deal. But it can tend to be. So yes, so no no more beatings. There you are. No, yeah, well, 
I mean, we all know those children, man, who like their discipline is wayward. Mm-hmm. I can tell the the kids that weren't beat and probably needed to be. um, We all have like, you know, those white friends who kind of, we saw speak unruly to their parents, tell the dad to (laughs) something or give back chats. I think, think, again, one friend at music college as well. I mean, I think her mum was an alcoholic, but they'd all be bickering on the phone. And the way she's talking, I was like, who's on the other end of the line? Like, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? What are you on about? She was like, I was like, talking to my brother. So she said, it's a mum. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, <laughs> 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 I was like, if I spoke to my mum about that and I lived away from home, she'd be on the first train to see me. Like, um, <laughs> see if I could back my chat in person. So. <laughs> 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 Can imagine. Actually, um, our parents were funny though. I, like, I never, I never really went across the line. I remember my mom. Let me think of any particular highlights when we were kids. Um, there would be one time she threw a beaker at someone who was giving a lip. I think it was on my brother's. Can't remember which one it was, but um, he dodged it and it kind of it hit the pantry window and it like shattered the window. It's only a plastic beaker, but just yeah. lets you know the, the force with which he threw it. Yeah. Another time. One of my brothers was getting lippy with it. And do you, know, do you remember, I don't know why we had this, but do you remember at school when you had those like meter long wooden rulers that, pe- that teachers would use on the blackboard? Yeah. Don't ask them why it is, but we had one in the house and she chased him around the house with it. She him all the way up to the top of the house with it because he was giving a, um, like, you know, a lip and like, you know, clipping at his heels with the, with the ruler. <laughs> then another time, again, another, this was, okay, I remember which brother this was, but again, he was like, you know, being basically. And, um, she pinched her lips, right? And obviously, we've all got quite fleshy lips. She pinched her lips, she twists her hand. So, like, you saw, you saw like, I'm doing yeah. a demonstration. No, if you're listening, you can't be able to, you're able to see it, of course. But people twisted, twisted his mouth and she's like talking to him. Obviously, he couldn't speak at the point, so he's like kind of speak through, like, twisted his mouth. But um, there were the highlights. But I got, I got up quite lightly, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I, what, uh, I didn't really get disciplined that badly. Like, my mum was more the disciplinarian than my dad. My dad was the one who's like, his bark is worse than his bias. Mm-hmm. So you always need to threaten to beat me, but never did. And my mum, like, when I pissed her off and off. Like, uh, I remember getting beat once with like, a, with like, it was like a plastic red comb. <laughs> and, and, um, it's it kind of like, pardon? One of those Afro picks or a different type of comb? It's not an Afro pick, no. It's like, it's like a wide toothed one. I feel right. like it's like, you know, it's something that you're in easy reach of. Mm. <laughs> oh, you're the first object. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I didn't get, I didn't really get beat that much. I got beat like maybe a few times, maybe. A yeah. few times, not that much. Like you do hear stories of like kids getting like brutalized when yes. they're at home. Yeah. And I don't, I've never, I don't think there's a fine line between beatings and abuse. I think it's very clear when something has gone too far. Um, yeah. And this, I guess, this is why it's easy to just say, you know, you shouldn't hit your kids at all. And um, like your cousin has said many times, he goes, a parent that if a parent beats their kids, it's a loss of composure, blah blah blah. Which um, I guess, it, it, I guess, it's true. It's true. I think it's true. It's, just, it's just my biases from the environment I've grown up and grown up in, and the culture I've grown up in, where I kind of were beating is seen it's, it's seen as normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I said, it's less so now. When I think of like siblings who have kids or like that that next generation underneath us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a thing anymore, but mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like if you're not going to beat your kids, then you need to have some kind of structure in place because you can't be letting your kids just talk to you any which way and think it's part of their like natural development. Because then just go on respectable. Yeah. No, you well. I mean, I wouldn't beat a child, but they that child would not would not speak to people with respect. Like you can't like you can't be talking to um you can't be talking to your parents like so and any which part any which person on the street you can't you can't do that that's just not acceptable. So they no. all know that. Exactly. Exactly. So like, oh. like my parents found ways to do. Found ways to to deal uh, at home with me without necessarily resorting to violence. Yeah, and you you were in quite a Christian household as well, weren't you? I was to some extent. But, um... Yeah. Although, like the Christian part of it, like I was christened, but I'd I'd say it was more like going towards my teenage years from like twelve, thirteen onward that like religion became um what well, a, a part and parcel a part and parcel of the household experience a I was about to say when religion became picture. I was about to say when religion became an impressive force but I didn't well there we go yeah religion was <laughs> an impressive force that was when yeah that was like when going into my teenagers before mm. then like there was always a belief in God there, was, there probably would have been like a bible like I don't know hitched up somewhere but now, like from like compared now to then, I think there's like a Bible in every room of the house. And if there isn't a Bible in every room of the house, there that we have enough Bibles for every room of the, every room in the house. Exactly. There's 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 surplus Bibles, if anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all that was all that. Um, we were talking earlier today about yeah. the um, the idea or the possibility of having like a sugar daddy or sugar baby relationship. Oh yes, oh yes. Today, <laughs> that we said we'd save for the podcast. Yeah, because we kind of scratched the surface, didn't we? How did so, it come about? Do you remember? How did it come about? We would have been talking about, I don't even know. What were we even talking about to come up onto that subject? Oh, I remember actually. It was to do with someone we both know, but not know, not know properly, but someone we've come across. Um, who was a member of the LGBT community community. And there's age difference. That's, that's as, as much details I go into. But yeah, um, I think it was because of that. And then you were talking about you like older men in general. But um, yes, that's right. Because um, well, they to be fair, that wasn't a that wasn't a sugar daddy or sugar baby relationship. Just that we two people we knew we know who've had sex, and one is quite a few years older than the other. That's not a sugar. That's not a sugar daddy relationship. That's just two people fucking. Yeah, it's a daily occurrence. It's daddy without the sugar, basically. I guess so. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it's become popular. I think I think porn's made like that as well. Like, you know, the whole daddy, this daddy, that. But I've never quite understood it from that aspect. I've never, let me think, because we were talking about if we would ever be in a sugar baby, sugar daddy situation. Yeah. I was saying to you, like, in my 20 days, the way up to about 24, um, you get proper. I think you get propositioned by older men a lot because the, the gay community, by and large, is obsessed with um, early twenties to sorry eighteen to twenty five that age range. Mm-hmm. In the same way, a lot of straight men are thinking that about women. Eighteen to twenty five is like the um, the the, uh, the target bracket of age, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was never interested in that. I don't think I've ever had anyone offer me like money and stuff to treat me right. I think sometimes there might have been an implication there, or if it's someone that's well established with a good career, it kind of goes hand in hand. I guess if you're like a you know, a broke 20-something, like, living from paycheck to paycheck. But it was mm-hmm. never on my mind then. However, I think I was saying to you, and what took you by surprise, 
because I was saying if I was, you know, a mature man, you know, with a decent amount of means, I would not be averse to having a sugar baby. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I mean, in in theory, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with being a sugar daddy and remunerating your partners financially. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could never be me. That's all I know. <laughs> I mean, you say that, ain't it? But what if you meet someone who, you know, will make you move mad and you'll do anything for them? And I think what it would be is that they would have some interest in you. It wouldn't be a case that they're not interested in you what, whatsoever until you pay the money. It'd be a case of they have some interest for you. And, you know, the financial benefits or the gifts or the perks would probably encourage them along somewhat. And then before you know it, Even, you're you death. sound like you're going to get into some one big scam where some do young 22-year-old or 23-year-old is going to um, spend, what, four days with you, going <laughs> to make you think that, uh, make you think that he's bizarre with you. And then, and then what? Oh, what? Two weeks into it? Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just really hard up. I need some money to help, uh, to help pay my school fees, or whatever. And six months later, you're funding the person's lifestyle. That, that's what it sounds like. And then they wake up one morning, they're blocked on all social media, and they've changed our identity. Exactly. Want to get what they want from you, yeah? Possibly, but I am a fool, and I think I'll be a fool for life. So, <laughs> <laughs> possible. Who knows? You sound ripe and fine to be taken advantage of. Yeah, well, I know. I think I'm, I'm the kind of person that doesn't learn from my mistakes. Um, <laughs> but it's true. I'm not going to deny it. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's not something I need to worry about for now, anyway. I'm still fairly young. I think, I don't know how you feel about being like sort of at the beginning of your 30s, but it's a strange one because I kind of feel like I'm definitely not young, young, but I'm not old, old either. It's. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's something you shouldn't really think about and just get on with life. Um, but this is strange, though, because I think when you are young, especially up to about 27-ish and under, it's a, well, depending on how superficial you are, it's, it's quite a big part of your identity. And there's a certain, there's like a, there's a certain magic about, about, about being young and having all these years ahead of you and, you know, being the apple of everyone's eye because you're young and, like, you know, you're glamorous or whatever. I'm not saying I am particularly, but... Um, that kind of it's a big part of you if you if you are a bit superficial like I am sometimes. But once that goes, you kind of think, hmm, you know, you need to come up with more substance now. You can't just rely on what you look like. You know, you need to be bringing something else to the table. So mm-hmm. it's a strange. I think I found myself that, that that kind of crossroads for the last few years. I don't know if you can relate at all because I think you're probably not as um, skin deep as I am. As in, sorry, I'm skin deep and you're a bit deeper. But that's uh, that's something I have thought about in like towards the end of my twenties and the start of my thirties for sure. I still feel young, to be honest with you. I still, I still feel young. <laughs> it basically can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> like um, when, so like when I was on Grinder, yeah, my age was freely advertised, so like everybody knew who old I was, and I got men propositioned me for um, for to be a sugar baby at like 28, 28 and like yeah, twenty eight going into twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Like um, even when I had the That Boy Joy podcast, um, find that which I've since deleted. But yeah. even when I had that, like there were um, there were people who were like, I wanted to offer me money to um, money to well for X, Y, and Z. None of them I didn't take like I didn't take them that seriously. There was one yeah. guy who like wanted me to message him on you know kick. 
you see i've seen that and i'm, I'm never sure if that's a scam or if it's real but i have seen that about like oh by the way this will be a thing you'll get 400 pounds a week allowance and blah 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 um i texted him after that and because um, this was the very first person who messaged me for it and i was yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm a bit old for this <laughs> um, um, sugar baby like sugar baby nonsense and he was like no and um, I'd like to have a conversation with you, but on this platform. And I'm like, I'm just not doing that. But then, Why like, didn't? Then, then, then he messaged me again on Grindr, asked me the same thing. I didn't, didn't go do it? I just didn't take it seriously. And like, I asked him, like, what would I, I asked him what I would have to do. And I was like, oh, you just have to have fun with daddy. <laughs> basically do anything he says in the bedroom that's what it sounds like i, I mean, mean i didn't entertain it further than that i mean i, I would probably want to see how far i could go down a particular rabbit hole just out of curiosity if nothing else um i don't know anything i feel like well, i don't think you've missed a trick or anything but i just, I just don't see why you wouldn't see how far it went to I me mean, and you can just stop at the point of meeting up in person but i'd want to pursue that a bit more because i you know it's nice to be, or again, it's probably because you're less superficial than I am, but it's like, it's nice to be desired. So I'll be like, yeah, okay. Just let someone gas me up for a little bit. And I'll decide <laughs> whether you want to be or not. I've, like, and I've, <laughs> had, like, I've had like, uh, what, like men with, men with wives wanting to, I'm wanting, wanting to come to hotels or something shit. Men with what, sorry? Wives. Oh, that's pretty common though, to be fair. That is, that is pretty standard, but it's just, it's, it's, Creepy, it's always a case of they're on it's always case they're on a business trip but they're away from the family um mm -hmm. and they're like i can't send a facebook it's non-negotiable um can you come out come over for some, some fun and but it, you know what's weird though it's such a high it's such a high percentage i think if you told me as a kid there were this many married men like playing with the same sex on the side i would think that you were like exaggerating but it's it's pretty common on grinder it's mad i don't it's just bunkers because i always think you know, when you grow up, you think like about 10% of the population is gay, like a small percentage is bi and everyone else is straight. Because if I think if I had to pick out, you know, completely unscientific percentages now, I would say about 20% of the population is gay. I'd say only about 50% is genuinely straight. And I think there's a good 40% that's like somewhere in between, for well, sure. I think, well, I think you're working on like a quite outdated, that outdated view of what, on, of sexuality with all of that. Oh, um, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> That's why I said, I said forty percent is somewhere in between. Like I didn't say that specifically. You know, forty percent is like you know, spends equal amount of time with women and men. But it's like you know, there are definitely men who are still just absolutely straight in, in the way that I'm pretty much just absolutely gay kind of thing. Like I've, I've been like slightly intrigued by women, but not not to the point where I want to do anything with a woman. And I think, you know, I, I still think the majority of men are just like you know, down the middle, just like girls. Yeah, but like, there were men who have sex with men who describe themselves as straight. They do, and it's it's just silly. You think it's silly? I think it is silly because I think, you know, I know people, I know sexuality is fluid and it's not clean cut and stuff, but I'm thinking if you are, if you're engaging regularly with the same sex, how, how can you call yourself straight? It's, I think, you know, I think everyone's allowed room to experiment, but I'm thinking if it's a, you know, if there's some kind of regularity to you being with the same sex, then that's not straight. You can't just change, you can't change word definitions to suit 
how you want to be identified as. But I, I, but I think that term, I think like with sexuality, that like the like the word and the term like encompasses like two many like lots of different things in one. But I don't think it's as clear cut as like your sexuality is just is just determined on who you have sex with. I think that it's like there's more in it. So but there's who you're like who you physically attracted to, so who you want to have sex with, things like that. There's mm. like also, but there's also like a romantic element in it. So who can you fall in love with? Who could you actually be like romantically involved with? And then there's like an emotional element too, that like you could like love someone deeply. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I think all those things like combined go into sexuality. And there are some. Oh, I know. Things, I know that. Like, like, sorry. I carry on. I was interrupting. But like, there are some people who like there are some men, for instance, who have sex with men who can to describe themselves as straight because like they just don't have any interest. Mean anything other than the other than like the physical bit? And well, see, that's the thing. So um, I'm aware of that. So there are obviously men who like their attraction to men is purely physical. There's no kind of romantic thing. They don't want to be. They've never fallen in love with a man. Is it? Um, there's a term for it all the time. Not biromantic. It's a romantic. A romantic, but there's something else. Um, it it slips my mind at the time. There's there's a specific word for it, and I think I think that's I think that's I'm all for like you know coming up with neologisms to kind of sort of describe the nuance with these different things. But you can't say that straight. Even if you think, oh, I'm only I only have affections for women. I'm only I don't have romantic feelings for a woman. If you're engaging with sex with the same sex, how can you then try? You can't then try and fit that into the category of straight. Straight has a meaning. Gay has a meaning. You can come up with new words to kind of describe the nuances. But I don't think like end of the day, if someone's going to call themselves straight and that's fine, like, it's not my business. But at the same time, I can say, well, that's inaccurate because I'm not only just pointing out an inaccuracy. You can call yourself what you want, but you can't expect other people to call you the same thing. But I just we don't all know see, what yeah, I just don't see what we have to gain by doing all that though. Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not trying to do like a, like a fucking, like a got your bitch moment with someone. It's not even like, though, it's about accuracy. If someone like, says to you, Okay, if someone says you anything, um, how do you, how would you describe straight? I'm sure you wouldn't hesitate to describe it. I wouldn't. So if someone with someone if someone with straight, I'd say that they have primarily heterosexual relationships. Okay. <laughs> primarily, you know. Uh, <laughs> I would, but no, because I think I told you before, didn't I? This guy that I've never met because I've just always been a bit of a weird one who has a girlfriend, but is always on grinder and stuff. Um, I think when we first started speaking, I felt a bit weird because I think you're in a relationship and I'm not really trying to be like the third person and it's, you know, it's a case of if your relationship isn't open, why are you sneaking around kind of thing? Um, but then I think we were just talking conversationally at the beginning. I said, oh, oh so I can take your bike then. And he was like, oh, no, no, I'm straight, lol. And in my head, I kind of thought, well, that's bullshit. But then I didn't, I didn't like pester him about it. So it's not about the gotcha thing. He said it and I thought that's absolute nonsense. But then I'm not going to, I'm not going to say he can't use that word. But in my head, I'm going to think, well, it's fucking nonsense. And I, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if he wants to call himself that, that's fine. But at the same time, I will be laughing because, you know, what you're saying, it's just about an accuracy thing. It's not about trying to catch people out or, you know, try and put them into boxes. It's a case of this word has a definition. Call yourself something. Or if you want to call yourself that, that's fine. But in my head, that doesn't match. What you're saying doesn't match up with what you're, the word you're using to describe it. I just think the definition has evolved over time. So I just don't see, evolved. like, I don't see heterosexuality or homosexuality at the other end of the spectrum 
in the same way that I would have done like five years ago, for instance. And I just do think that it's like, there are great areas in each of them that's outside of like any other, any other definition you want to put on it. Well, this is the thing that I don't, I don't think the words evolved. I think people are kind of waking up to the fact that it's not, because the actual sexuality isn't clear cut for sure. However, what I'm saying is if someone, you know, primarily, a man who's primarily with women and he's being curious here and there, if they're going to call themselves straight, I'm thinking, okay, whatever. But if it's a case of you are regularly engaging with the, op- with the same sex as well as the opposite sex, then I'm sorry, I'm, at this point, it's not straight. And for me, it's just, it's just okay, it's, that myth, it's, that, it's a mismatch between language and what's actually happening. Um, and I guess it's, it's not even a big issue, as you're saying, because in the end, it's, it's their business. But at the same time, in my head, just from a, you know, a word definition accuracy point of view, I'm thinking, well, what you're saying doesn't make sense. And it's just mainly that. I always think words should reflect what's actually happening. And that's why I'm all, I'm all for like new words being like coming up when people talk about aromantic or I can't remember the word it is when like hetero, hetero flexible, things like that. But then yeah. I think you need to create more words to fit what you're describing rather than to, you know, kind of bend the rules as it were and try and fit it all under one word because the word clearly isn't covering all, all it should do. But I think, but I think it's better when it comes to that. Like, I, I think that meaning, that meaning do evolve though. Like they, that they naturally do. And that's, it's not that I could see evolving Is it that meanings evolve or that people are uncomfortable calling themselves, calling themselves something other than straight so they still want to stick onto that thing? I don't think it's a meaning evolving. I think it's people aren't comfortable re-diff- using a different word to describe their experience, even though they may have changed how they feel about their sex or the opposite sex. I think that's what it is. Even if that is the case, I just still don't see this. I just don't, don't see the problem in like, in someone still, someone still defining themselves that way. The problem would be, so this person, for instance, this guy who has expressed some, like expressed desires to have, what, sexual relations with men of the same sex or other men, it'd be a problem if like he was presenting himself to other people as like, like exclusively straight, which he probably, he probably would do, like to women as like exclusively straight. Like I've never had sex with men before. I've never like I've never had any desire to do that. So this person thinks one thing about him when actually it's something completely different. But I do think that you can have a level a level of like of license fit to, to fit however you want it to. I think there's room to experiment for sure. I don't think it's a case of oh, if you let's say you throw us for a short period of time and you decide it's not for you, then I'm not going to say oh, you know, you've touched the penis. That means you're gay. Like because that's just ridiculous because that is what happens. And I think we would both agree that in society, if you're a man, if you show any interest in someone that isn't a woman, then it's like it's like a kind of like a black mark or you're tarnished or something. And I definitely I'd fight against that for sure. But then as I say, it's just the whole trying to fit in all these different experiences onto on, on under one word, which I just think is a bit silly. And then at the end of it, I would say that like we mentioned before, you can describe yourself how you want to, you know, no one can stop you. But I am gonna think it's a bit ridiculous if what you're saying doesn't match reality. I've learned to take people at their word, at their word of things like that. Like I've, I mean, I do not make. I I I tried not to. Well, I'm in a relationship now. But before, I mm-hmm. made it a point to not to, to not get into anything with straight men or anyone who says that they're straight. There is a part, like there are people who have had sex with, and then like afterwards. One person was like drawing. <laughs> you know what? Sorry. One person was like drawing when they were telling me that they were straight. 
during. Yeah, my Apple <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a classic example. I think I can't hear a more clear example of you know what's actually taking place is a matching the descriptor, but it's their business, I guess. But like, so, I just think, but then like, <laughs> when like when he said that, I'm just thinking, okay, you're a straight person. I'm not really, I'm not really, um, I'm not really interested in in doing this again with you. That's the only thing that comes yeah. to my mind. And you know, actually, another thing I've, I've always hate. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, actually. So, do you think there is like such a thing as a gaydar? Um. I the way I think about this is I don't think that gay men have an, an innate ability to pick out other guys who are on the same team. I think it's a case of it's more of an environmental societal thing where we're, we're probably we probably look for it more. I think it's just that really. Um, yeah, I think it's only because you, you probably recognise traits in someone else that you see in yourself. Or you recognise, or probably in general, like a gay person will have, well, not all the time, but a lot of time a gay gay person will have closer proximity to other gay people. So it's probably just yeah. picking out different patterns. I think it just, it's just based on that. So I think when you come across, well, the stereotype thing is like, you know, if you take a straight dude, let's say he doesn't know any gay people, obviously that's, that's rarer these days. They're not necessarily going to be on the lookout for it because they haven't known enough people who have that, of that sexuality to kind of notice patterns and behaviour. Yeah. Um, I just think we're just, it's just, we've got close proximity to it. I think in the same way, and this might be a weird analogy, but you know, if you hear someone's voice, mm-hmm. like I can tell, can you just say if someone's black ever hear them, even if they don't have what you'd call it a stereotypically black accent, I can just talk about the timbre of their voice or something or the weight of their voice. Yeah. Whereas I know other people wouldn't necessarily be aware of that. Um, I'm trying to think of the classic example happened. I'm trying to remember. I, I can't remember. What, I'm trying to remember, but like it was, no, that was it. it. Was when I worked at one of when I was at a bank a few a few jobs ago, and we did quality checking, and there's a woman speaking on the phone, and I could tell she was Jamaican. She had like the the slightest slightest twang. Um, I don't even think we were discussing what race she was at all, but I could tell the way the other people were talking. They seemed it was like a white English woman, but I could just tell. And just because of, it's just because of like closer proximity to that community being from it, I think it's like that with gaydar. So I don't think there's some magical power. It's just a case of they're more familiar with like being around other gays to, to notice patterns. But gay do you people, think? like, but gay people are not the are not the ones, or, or not the only people claiming gay. Though, like, straight people do it as well. Straight women, especially, claim to mm-hmm. have claim to have gay. and that is one like the whole idea of having a gay doll is something I'm trying to unlearn, um, like in these last few years. And all of this, like, I really hate kind of the, the way we describe sexuality, especially like people who are not straight. Always, if it always as if it's like it's some sort of taboo. Like, yeah, that definitely still happens, and we all do yeah, as well. Okay, all at the time, and I need stuff like because um, when I'm even when I'm with, I, I'm I'm guilty of doing it myself. Like if there's like a celebrity oh, wow. instance, mm-hmm. or someone like someone that is well known to everyone, and everyone speculates on their sexuality and whatever, and like oh they're this way or that way, mm-hmm. and I'm just like nothing good comes from that man like nothing nothing good comes from it and it's when it's again it's putting like your prejudices about the way someone acts the way you think they should act that will go on to sexuality and other things that is something that people just need to stop doing like they stop doing immediately as well it's true we all do it and i feel like it's it's never not going to be a thing so until coming out is a thing as long as coming out is a thing or like having to come out is a thing that will always exist though because because it is always going to be a secret or for now if it was if it, there was no two about being gay or having alternative sexuality being straight 
and that kind of that kind of you know trying to suss people out or think oh yeah I'm convinced so and so likes likes dudes or I'm convinced no oh, she likes she's been with women or she knows the way around uh, never mind but um, as long as that's <laughs> gonna be a, <laughs> as long as there is a reason for people to hide the sexuality and having an alternative sexuality sexuality is a big deal there will always be that kind of speculation so it will come with time I think but I know we can do more to be more self-aware because we all do it as well for sure like even when we talk about Love Island contestants for example who we thought were in the closet when Philip Schofield came out when we talk about such and such a person that we think is attractive yeah. and we think oh, I wonder if he's been with dudes as well we all do yeah. do it I think it would be a gradual thing but maybe the first step is to be self-aware of it and maybe to call it out if you see it as well it, like, it will happen bit by bit that's what I'm trying to do and like no matter how someone presents to me but like I'm honestly like if someone is gay or straight, it does, does not, like, it, it, what they, like, how they act, how they talk, what, like, what you see them do is not an indicator of whether they're gay or straight or not. An indicator of whether someone is gay or straight, to me, is, is by what, what, if they tell you or not. Yeah. Like someone, so no how <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I said yes, but in my head I'm thinking, nah, I don't do that. But and that's, that's bad, that's what we were just talking about a second ago. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the truth though. And like when that Spirit Schofield thing came out, like, and everyone was like, oh, I knew all along. And like, people need to you pay know, me money. So I know it's a bit off topic, but when that came out, I, I'd never actually considered whether he was or not. I was like, he said, I was like, oh, I guess it makes sense. But I'd never actually even considered it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But um, there have been other people, I think for me, uh, you know, Tom Daly. I mean, of, we're literally get engaging in this, engaging the thing we're saying. That we we're are, saying but you know, it's what it is, Ainsley. So basically, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I think because you know what it was though, and it, uh, this is bad because it is we're engaging what we were just talking against. But I remember again, it was back at uni, Sash Music College. Um, when he was like not out, I used to see him thinking like he definitely is, but he does about girlfriend, this girlfriend, that, and I think. Part of it in my head, I think, oh, it's fraudulent. And part of you kind of thinks, I don't know, it's like you want to drag them down to your level of gay if you have that internalized homophobia or something. Oh, you know, um, I, again, and it's a toxic thing to be eradicated for sure. But then when he came out, I was, I think a lot of people were just like, well, no fucking shit. But I remember arguing with someone once, like before he'd come out, I was just like, oh, isn't he gay? And people looking at me like I was weird. I was like, what are you talking about? He's got a girlfriend. And I was like, okay, cool. But, um, <laughs> but, but I think what like all of that speculation, like all of that, like to give you a real world example, like one of the reasons why it took why um, it it took me longer to come out to my friend is because I knew that people were talking about me behind my back about yeah. that same thing, and people I knew well, um, like we couldn't have a conversation about it, uh-huh. and that made it hard. That made it much harder because then it felt like. I was that, like that exactly. This is one thing that's some taboo, and if I ever told you about it, it'd be like confirming or denying people's suspicions. Yeah, like you're playing into the hands or something. Like yeah, exactly. Them. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. um, like my identity is some hot, hot topic for gossip for you. Yeah, and not something. <laughs> yeah, not something that like for for a long time caused me such like shame and anger and angst and anguish. I don't know how we see now. How do we get rid of that though? That's the question. Because again, it's... I think what you need to like, you you need to create conditions that make people comfortable. Mm. And that goes by by the way you act and the the way you act, the things that you do, when that person isn't the subject of it. So if there's someone who's in the closet 
and you're in a group of people and you hear the way they speak about other queer people, they're going to internalise that behaviour. Oh, for sure, for sure. And we've all probably been in that environment growing up, whether it was family or church or friends. Yeah. Um, or even to be fair, like, you can have, you can be out to some friends. Like, like it happens less these days. We can be out to some friends and they'll make a gay joke, but, oh, sorry, no offence kind of thing. And they'll turn to you as the gay person in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but these things, they're huge, like, societal things. And, and it's, they will take time, but it's, it's a case of us trying to work out how, how do we get to the stage where it's not a big deal as quickly as possible. But I just think that like where you can, you need to take responsibility for your own for like for your own environment, for your own peers, or for like like fears of influence that you can you have, that things that you can control. It's the same, it's the same thing when people talk about race, like when um people mainly white people always like some like a lot of them ask me like, oh, what can I do? What can I say? And always people always have like really lofty ambitions, like I'm gonna go and like um, bring down this company or um, bring down this entrenched system and whatever. When <laughs> Raise it to the ground, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> when you'd have more impact if, if, you, if you try to protect people within your sphere of influence, that is people in your family, mm-hmm. that's your parents, those your friends, those people you interact with daily. Yeah. If you do that with people closer to you, that will have more impact. And then you want that to be a more of a domino effect. So what they've learned from you, they can then pass on with others. Exactly. You start small and then if everyone does that, then before you know it, attitudes yeah. have changed. But it's yeah. not going to happen from petitioning big corporations. I mean, like, can you do this? Can you do that? Because they do all that pride stuff. But it's, it's like the, it's the private conversations. It's, it's from there where you'll get the domino effect, as you say. The conversation with your, with your close, with your loved ones. Well, yeah, but like I said, I don't, be- I don't believe in begging people, whether that be corporation or anyone um, for equality. I don't believe in that. So, mm. so yeah. <laughs> conversation. I've actually really enjoyed this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I like it when we don't have anything lined up and we just talk and it turns into something like this. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> well, yeah, what? Including 21 who's listening. That like that friend you got, you don't know if they're gay or straight. Mind your own blog club business. That's what I say. <laughs> mind your own business. And it is difficult. It is difficult, but we should mind our business. And I think, but I've definitely, I've definitely seen when people are just like, you know, it's not your business. Don't worry about it. But it's a curiosity thing, and it's not a base. It's not a good actually to have. I think we can all agree on that. And it's because it's because you think it's some kind of juicy gossip because it's taboo, and that's that's why people go on about it. Mm-hmm. If you think someone's hiding a secret, which is quite boring and banal you, you just leave them to it but with mm-hmm. sexuality it's always like a it's always seen as like a juicy salacious detail that you know you want to be proved right in your theory in your head that you, mm-hmm. that, that you had about someone you know, so it's it's not good no mm-hmm. I, I completely agree i mean if everyone if everyone washed their hands and minded their own business more we'd probably we'd, we'd have been out of coronavirus a year ago wouldn't we exactly and they wore their masks and stayed in the house Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, people can't do that, can they? <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Oh. Right. How are we doing? For, that's probably like 45 minutes to an hour, I think. Is there anything else you want to just talk about at all? Before um, I go into that much. <laughs> I did go to my first ever hen party. Um, when was that? On Saturday. Is that for the wedding you're going to next month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I didn't realise that I was going to be the only man there. I was just about to ask you whether you only were the only guy. I was the only man, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a, like a, a room, a house full of white women. So, and I had to be that stereotype to be the last one to turn up as well. So oh, everyone wow. was there. Everyone was like two percent deep. I was about to say with a drinking prosecco. Here with me, like my big nigger self, man, turning off an hour late. <laughs> I was very, um, I was very apologetic to the host. It was actually, it was really funny. It was fun in the end. So it was an mm. overnight thing, but I only stayed for the evening. So um, everyone else stayed till like the next morning. I got the last train home. It was in Bristol. And um, one of the one of the like the attendees, they organised yeah. like an at home escape room. Right, at home. Oh wow. Yeah, so they like commandeered one of the living rooms and they hid clues like among that room. And it's mm-hmm. not like you'd imagine an escape room to be like the different codes you've got. To, you've got to, um, solve and puzzles and whatever. It was really good. And then mm. uh, we went to a park and played some games. Like it was very structured. Like I imagine if it was like obviously these are like these are women who had like put this whole thing on and organized everything. So everything yeah. ran smoothly, everybody knew what they were doing, everybody <laughs> knew where they were sleeping, how much money they needed to pay. I can imagine that like if it was a stag do, if it was like a, like something with all men and everyone could only be in one place, it'd just be a complete horror show. Everyone turning up at all times. People not knowing what's going where. One man last minute decides he wants to stop the night. One person decides he's leaving. All stuff like that. Yeah, because my experience of Hen and Stag do is I guess you're living in Newcastle. It's just the typical, let's go out and get pissed. It's even yeah. all the time, especially in the summer. Like, this was one every weekend. Usually yeah. at the start of the month or the end of the month where everyone's being paid. Like, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. not much variety in them. But yeah, it's yeah. just like, and, and there's always men dressed in like women's clothes. That's, the intro yeah, and theme. Yeah. The intro and... But yours sounds, really, yours sounds really cool and like, you know, that's um, what I'm looking for. Not respectable. Wholesome. Mm-hmm. Like just the one that you described. <laughs> it was it was 100% more wholesome than that. I remember like when I was back at home in Birmingham, and I used to work Sundays at the, um, at the place that shall not be named. Um, uh-huh. And I'd be walking up Broad Street, and always, I'd always see like the last vestiges from of like some like hen party, like you know, like some blown out like cock balloon, like underneath the wheel of a taxi as I'm walking past. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, and like when you see them on a Saturday afternoon, like at the beginning, like all um, all going into that, they're they're all by one or all, all them places or be at one. At the end of it, everyone just, just they just thought it's like just a mess, a wreck. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. I mean, I don't think I want to get married, but if I got married, I, I don't think if I'm gonna have a stag party, I'm not having it. I'm not having it like in the UK. Or if I'm having it in the UK, I can't just be having it on like some broad street or some high street in some just like nasty club, man. It's, it it doesn't speak to me. No, you can go to Malaga instead. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> what like mainland Spain? I, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just taking the piss. Like, could no, you imagine? Just... That is not for me. When I go to Spain, I don't want to see. I don't. I don't really want to be seeing British people. 
Oh yeah, I feel like on holiday in general. Ha- having said that, though, um, without not too much of diversion, but me and a few mates up here, we do want to do like a trashy holiday to Ibiza or Malaga, just to say we've done it. Because um, mm-hmm. it's never appealed to me. I think you know what? Let me have one that's a blowout, trashy holiday. Just um, and just let's just live the lifestyle. I'll go there to see no nothing but pure people from like you know England's finest party cities, all in one place. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, it's had to be out of it for most of the weekend I think to actually uh, get through it but um, I kind of feel like it's not not so much a rite of passage at this age but I kind of think oh why the fuck not just say I've done it like, just, and if it's awful if I'm hungover on a horrible flight that's overcrowded on the way back then at least at least I can say I've done it I don't know yeah I think if I had to I'd go to like IB for mm-hmm. yeah I'd probably yeah, I'd do IB for why not but <laughs> It doesn't, yeah, and like I said, it, it, it doesn't seem like the most appealing thing to, to me. No. To you. no, it's more for, I think it's more for the stories afterwards rather than the full-on enjoyment at the time. Because these things, I think they can be anticlimactic because they're seen as like a big deal. Oh, you know, if you go into one of those places, it is to have like a really wild time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Do you remember, um, what, some sex and suspicious parents? Oh, is that when someone goes to live with another family? That's why I swap. Some sex and suspicious parents oh. is when they sort of get like an 18-year-old or 17-year-old and they'll be going on like an 18 to 30 holiday. Mm-hmm. And um and like they'd have like BBC three that would um bring a camera crew with them and um and make make up some excuse like, oh, we're doing a film a documentary about this, when really like their parents would be um would be watching the footage. Oh, holiday, I do remember that. Nasty, nasty. <laughs> I do remember that. That was, that was I forgot that it even existed. Oh, that that was actually brilliant. Um, that was a brilliant concept for a show. That was like in the in the glory days of reality TV. Um, yeah, that was Bree's contribution. That was that was a good program. I forgot about that. Yeah, and um, <laughs> the parents would watch them, watch them getting up to um to what to what whatever it is that they were getting up to. Yeah. It's going on unruly, just basically abandoning all the home training their parents have instilled in them. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a, I don't know, like with, with the people that went on the show, though, I, I always thought the parents would have some idea of like how, of kind of what the kids got, get up to, but maybe they just wouldn't know the extent it would be. I always have seen so much life in front of their parents, you know. Your parents yeah. only know one side of you. To be, you know what, you just said that and I just thought in my head actually, some things I get up to, not that I'm particularly wild, I'm thinking my parents would have no idea. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But I don't understand because it's, it's a tale as old as time. However, parents are still shocked at what the kids you get up to. I'm thinking they should know by now to expect the unexpected. Like, if you, <laughs> it's on them now. Like, and there's only so much a kid can do. These, there's only so much a parent can do these days, I think. Do your parents know that you smoke? Not weed. So basically, this weekend gone, um, I'm, I'm trying to stop actually. I'm, I'm giving them all my weed tonight, actually. Um, but cigarettes has been like a few times a day. And when I went home, um, it was a Friday night. So I got there quite late. We had a time, it's just me and mum and dad. And I was like, well, I'm not smoked all day. I do want a cigarette. Obviously, I'd want a weed, really, but I'm not going to smoke weed at home, home, um, he said. Uh, but I just said to them, oh, by the way, I, just, I had to interrupt the conversation. So well, I not interrupt the conversation. I waited for like a, a suitable gap. And I said, oh, by the way, sorry to bring disappointing news, but I, I do smoke now. So um, can I go in the back garden or in the front garden kind of thing? Mm-hmm. My dad was he, my dad was a bit surprised for like all of a few seconds. I mean, he was like, oh, "Okay, cool." And mom was like, "She looked scandalized." And like all throughout the weekend, she kept making like kept dropping like these like shady shady comments. 
Like, mm. I think on the Sunday night, me and my eldest brother went to the back on. He doesn't smoke, but I just want some company. It was like after night four. And I went back and she's like, oh, look at it. It's, it's fag ash, she said. <laughs> so she said <laughs> oh, oh, man, I was thinking in my head. Also, once it too long. Um, but she's like, why? Why do you smoke? Well, how has this started? She's like, I don't understand how you've gone all this time, like, up into this age. Um, and also the real reason was that, the real reason is that I smoked weed. And then when I tried to come off weed, I started smoking tobacco as a, a coping mechanism. But um, I told them that I was, when I was working in that call center, I just left them, like, you know, when it was stressful, it just happened. My dad didn't get, by the end of the week, then my dad had said to me, like, I used to smoke as a kid, um, as a teenager. He said, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, because I think I kept trying to make, go into either the back garden or the front garden when there was no one around mm-hmm. to not get caught. Because people are a bit funny about it. I'm thinking, I'm 31 years old, I want to smoke a cigarette. Like, it's really not, it really ain't that deep. It really but, um, isn't, no, yeah. But... Next to them, I mean, they don't know smoke weed. I mean, maybe my dad has guessed, but I'm trying to stop, as I say. Um, but sure, that like, you're the youngest of five boys, man. Should they have seen it all? Well, I think my dad's a bit more like clued up on how the world works. My mum's relatively innocent, I think. Um, yeah, I was, <laughs> but actually, when I talk about cigarettes, I kept thinking, I'll oh, wait to find out I smoke weed, or wait to wait till you find out I'm gay. Like, I was just thinking, <laughs> <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's been a good episode i really enjoyed that i'll let you do the wrapping up Mr. okay well yes it has been what a semi-enlightening episode i guess i feel like i haven't said anything that you didn't know already to be fair Kevin. no but there's, there's things that we haven't discussed in this kind of detail before though when we were talking about um you know different, different sexualities i think we've touched on it in the past but not in this depth before yeah so it's interesting I think we agree on some things, but as usual, the, the finer points are agree to disagree. But yeah. <laughs> I do like, and not even sound all like, you know, official and PR-ish, like I do, I do see where you're coming from, even if they don't completely agree with everything. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, that Rare Blackboard Joy podcast available on all good streaming platforms. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you like what you hear and you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a glowing five-star review. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Black Boy Joy Podcast and at Twitter at Black Boy Joy Pod. Oh yeah, if there's nothing else, got anything else to say, Kieran? No, that's goodbye from me for now. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. I hate doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye everyone. See you. Bye. I'll, I'll just...